If you would take your hymnal or your scripture and turn with me to Psalm 98. Psalm 98, we'll be reading the entire psalm. Psalm 98, would you give ear to the reading of God's word? Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp and with the harp and the sound of a psalm. With trumpets and the sound of a horn, shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth with righteousness. He shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. O Lord, creator, sustainer, and redeemer, you spoke to us by your spirit through your word. You called us to come and pursue righteousness, goodness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. You told us of the eternal life to which we were called. Father, we need help. We need your help in understanding your word. Open our hearts and let us let your Holy Spirit fill us with knowledge about this glorious plan of salvation which you have provided through Christ. Guide us as we apply your truths in our daily walk. We seek this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The sacred writing, which is titled a psalm, follows those before it very well. It fits, though, into this group of royal psalms written by David. In Psalm 97... It describes the publication of the gospel and the setting up of the kingdom of heaven. Then the present psalm would be a coronation hymn. This hymn is the official proclamation of the conquering Messiah as the monarch over all nations. That would be shown with the trumpet call, clapping of hands, and the celebration of triumphs. This is indeed a singularly bold and lively song. The modern day critics try to take away from this song by saying all of that is given in this psalm is found in Isaiah. Their idea is Isaiah wrote it, somebody else just made up the psalm later and accredited it to David. Using their principle of translation kind of led you to believe that half books written in English must have been written by Shakespeare. The fact is that all of these associated psalms were written to build a beautiful tapestry in which each one of them has an appropriate place and is required to complete the picture. This would clearly indicate they had to come from one mind, one heart, guided by the grace of God. There is no doubt this psalm is a clear prophecy of Christ coming to save the world. How can we know for sure? Mary after the angel visited her and told her that she was with child, went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. She sang in Luke 1 what has become known as her song. 
In Mary's song, we hear Mary echo the voice of David. First, David says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Mary agrees. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord. Second, David proclaims, For he has done marvelous things. Mary follows, For he who is mighty has done great things. Third, David declares, His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. Mary echoes, He has shown strength with his arm. He has shattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Fourth, David exclaims, The Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness he has received in the sight of the nations. Mary says, And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. And last, David lays out, that God has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. Mary states, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. I think you will agree. These parallels are very striking, and it is almost like Mary had David's words right in front of of, of her. It has been said, this psalm clearly gives a view of the redemption of the world by Jesus Christ. It also shows the proclamation of his gospel through all the nations of the earth. When taken in this view, no language can be too strong or poetic imagery too high to point out the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let's turn our attention to this 98th Psalm and learn from its wisdom. First, we will learn why we praise Jehovah. Second, we will discover how to praise Jehovah. Third, we will come to know who is to praise Jehovah. In Psalm 94, we are given a new song on the coming of Christ. Now, we were also given a new song earlier. Listen to verse 1. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. This new song is given because our Lord has come, and he has seen and conquered. Jesus, our King, has come and he has lived the perfect life, died the atoning death, and won the resurrection victory. He, by his divine power, has sent into the hearts of his people the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came doing wonders. By the Holy Spirit, his disciples did marvelous things and astonished all the earth. Jesus came into this world to do the work of his Father. He came to change hearts and call men to worship him in spirit and truth. He came to found a new nation, to found a new spiritual nation, a kingdom that would be spread across the world, touching every nation and blessing all peoples. It is a kingdom that cannot be stopped by the wickedness of men and and their imaginary gods. What we have seen over the history of this world since his coming We have seen idols fallen, superstitions exposed, systems of error dried up, and evil empires destroyed. For all of this, we must lift our voices in the highest of praise. It is true that the acts of our Lord have proved his deity. Jesus is Jehovah, our God, so we lift our voices in praise before him. We see Jesus as our Lord and we react to his commands with faith because of all he shows us. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. It's his victory, not the victory of anyone else. 
It has been by his own empty hand that all his conquests have been made. He needed no weapon in his hand. All required was his word. Sin, death, and hell fell before his holiness, and the idols and errors of mankind have been overthrown and beaten by his word alone. The victories that Jesus won before men are more powerful than any we can even begin to comprehend. Why is that? It's because they are all accomplished by means that seem to be completely inferior, inadequate. These victories are not due to physical means, but due to spiritual and moral powers. They come by the energy of goodness, justice, and truth, and the power of his holy arm. Charles Spurgeon says his holy influence has been the sole cause of success. There are two things Jesus never uses, and that's polity and brute force. It's his holiness that secures for him a real and lasting victory over all the powers of evil. Now I want to tell you, we need to take a real lesson from this. Because the church has gone out and tried to win victories through political means. They put together, you remember Jerry Falwell and his, his uh, what would what they call that? Uh, moral, majority. moral majority. Thank you. Uh, they put that together. Well, Jerry Falwell finally pulled out of it because he said, I can't preach the gospel with all these people that don't believe in Christ there trying to do the same thing I'm trying to do. Change politics. We don't need politics. We need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be salt and light in this world. We need to go out and call people to hear the truth and believe what Jesus has done. Done for them. Call them to repentance. Jesus has won the victory we need if we're to be qualified for heaven. Jesus as our king will stand fast. He will defeat all our enemies. He rides at the battle conquering all. He comes with his arrows mighty and straight. That is, the, that is his truth. And his double-edged sword sharpened and ready for battle, which is his word. He comes arrayed in his robes, royal robes, and holding his mercy out to all who bow before him. He appears mighty to save and mighty to raise the dead. He's prepared to heal the wounds. He shows himself to be a victor in love and power, and his enemies come to be his friends. Were not you one day an enemy of Christ? Now you're his friend. They crown him on the battlefield to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. They lead him into the great city to his throne with trumpets and singing. This salvation, which Jesus has won, is made of his wisdom. Therefore, it comes from his right hand. His victory meets the requirements of justice. Therefore, we learn of his holy arm. This victory is won by his unaided work. Therefore, the glory for this victory belongs to him and to him alone. This victory is also marvelous beyond imagination that it brings out a new song. In this glorious coming of Jesus Christ, we learn in verse 2, it declares, The Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. It's through the coming, the coming of Jesus Christ and the sending of the Holy Spirit that the gospel was preached to the Gentiles. We can but praise the Lord for sending to men salvation. 
We also praise him for making salvation known. If Jesus did not come to make this salvation known, no one would ever have been saved. There would never have been anyone that could have discovered this salvation on their own. Every case of salvation was because of the grace and mercy of God opening the heart. You must understand, as Spurgeon says, that it is only in God's light that his light can be seen. God must reveal his son in you or you will be unable to discern him. He says his righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. The word righteousness is the major word here. It only, it's only through Christ's death on the cross that we can come into righteousness. This is the new song. Righteousness has been given to save the heathen of this world. What does this new song bring to mind? Look at verse 3. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. To the nation of Israel, Jesus came in the flesh. It was to them the gospel was first preached. Because they counted themselves worthy of eternal life, the covenant was broken. They thought they could do it themselves. They thought they could earn their way to heaven. The true Israel was then called into fellowship and still remains. The mercy which lasts forever and the faith which holds to the promise is secured to the chosen seed for their salvation. All of which was guaranteed by the covenant of grace. God promised in Genesis 3.15 that he would be the seed of the woman. That's Jesus Christ. He came to do for his people what they could never do for themselves. He won that victory over Satan, sin, and death. He lived the perfect life, died the atoning death, and won the resurrection victory. Because of that promise, David says, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. How is this possible? Not to Abraham's seed in the flesh, but to the spiritual seed of Abraham, the elect. Those called by God from among all nations. It is to those called the elect that have been given this blessing. Therefore, let the whole world open their hearts and mouths and sing a new song that remembers this glorious grace and mercy that has saved souls. Can you not see what a great blessing the coming of Jesus Christ has been to this world? I hope you can. I hope you realize that. He brought the gospel to the world and in a very short time had expanded its message across the seas and continents of this world. I ask you, has that message touched your heart? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Well, you can do that and you can do it right now. Recognize your own sinful life and your need of forgiveness for your sins. Confess, repent, and he will save you and he will make you one of his children. In these next three verses, we're taught how to praise the Lord. Verse 4. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Every tongue must shout aloud with the greatest of vigor, which the joy of heart alone can manifest. You must open your heart to the joy that your salvation has produced in you. This is the work of your Lord. I don't care how dispirited 
you think your circumstances in life are. They cannot be that bad. If your soul is saved and you are trusting in the Lord to deliver you from the wickedness of this world, remember the providence of your Lord. He's working in everything that happens in your world and in your life. Heidelberg Catechism in questions 27 and 28 clearly and devoutly describe providence this way. The almighty and everywhere power of God, whereby, as it were by his hand, he upholds and governs heaven, earth, and all creatures, so that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, yea, and all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand, that we may be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and that in all things which may hereafter befall us, we place our firm trust in our faithful God and Father, that nothing shall separate from us his love, since all creatures are so in his hand, Without his will, they cannot so much as move. We must come before our Lord as the sovereign Lord Almighty, the one and only true and living God who created us, watches over us, and decreed what our lives would be from moment to moment. If ever men should shout for joy, It should be when the Lord comes into their presence with the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. John Wesley told those he preached to, sing lustily and with good courage. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of its being heard than when you sung the songs of Satan. We can never forget the providential watch care of our Lord as we lift our voices in praise to him. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Make use of every instrument that can can add to the praise of our Lord. Let us not be afraid that our praises are too loud, for they can never drown out the trumpet's call to come into heaven. Let's not fear being too hearty and magnifying our God, for he has done for us everything we needed to come into his presence and praise his name. We should always, always want to be louder in our praises to him for what he has done for us. May our praises always be loud enough to ring out the honors of our conquering Savior. With all our might. Let us extol the Lord who has defeated our enemies and led our captivity captive. The ones we are most in love with, Jesus, the ones who are most in love with Jesus will be the loudest and most joyful in their songs and in their praise. They shall praise the Lord with joy and gladness. Verse 5, sing to the Lord with a harp, with a harp and the sound of a song. Again, we're called upon by all means possible to lift our voices in praise before our Lord and King. Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2 says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with praise. We're to come. We're to come before the Lord with a loud noise. 
a noise that will awaken others to the joyful news we have found in our Lord. We must come shouting as they did in Matthew 21, 9. Then the multitudes went before, and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We must come welcoming Christ to his throne. As new kings are welcomed with acclamations of joy and loud shouts until the earth around rings with praises. We're to let sacred songs attend the new king as we do with the harp and the sound of psalms. Go forth and express your joy. Proclaim it loudly and let it excite all around. Follow the great commission and go forth and propagate this good news in the hearts of others as you make disciples for the Lord. Show your love for Jesus as your Lord and King by telling others of this new song, this good news that has done for them everything they could never do for themselves. Let all your joy be directed at God and expressed in a right heart attitude. Verse 6, with trumpets and the sound of a horn, shout joyfully before the Lord the King. This verse makes clear that God's worship should be heartily loud. The far-sounding trumpet and horn make clear the power that should be put forth in our praises. Now, we just saw the coronation of King Charles III of England. It was done with great pomp and ceremony and with the trumpets sounding out their praises and the crowd shouting. Should men be more enthusiastic for an earthly king than for the divine king? How many are left today that are true subjects of the divine king? How many will lift their voices in praise before his throne? He is Jehovah. There are none like him. Will you open your heart and lift your voice without shame to praise him before this world? Will you face the persecution of a wicked and evil world to show forth the glory of this divine king? You need to ask yourself that question over and over again. Am I willing? Am I willing to stand up and shout for all I'm worth for my Lord and Savior? He saved your soul. He delivered you from death. He has opened heaven's gate for you to come in and spend an eternity with him. What's there not to praise? Sing to the Lord. Do it before the Lord, the King. Will you not look closely at the music of the world? Will you judge it against the music of the church? All music is not spiritual. All music is not useful in the praising of the Lord. Carnal music is the tool of the devil. He uses it to give you a false sense of peace and joy. David, when the ark was brought into Jerusalem, he danced before the Lord. His piety and devotion to show the glory of God filled his heart and made his dance acceptable before God. Well, our objective, our objective must always be to praise God with a joyful heart and a gladness of soul. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can achieve that. So let us look to Christ and all he has done to bring peace to this world and to set men free from their sins and make their hearts a chamber of praise. Keep ever in your hearts the sounds of praise and joy 
And let them be the foundation of your praise each and every day. Next, we want to look at who is to praise the Lord. Verses 7 through 9. Let the sea roar in all of its fullness. The world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness he shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. Now Dr. George Horn addresses this idea of who is to praise the Lord. He says, The inanimate part of creation are called upon to bear their parts in the new song and to fill up the universal chorus of praise and thanksgiving in order of him, in honor of him that sitteth upon the throne. We see in these verses a setting up of Christ's kingdom and a matter of joy and praise. It's necessary that all men rejoice in this kingdom, for they all have been or may be blessed from it. Over and over we are called upon by every imaginable way to show forth our joy in his kingdom and to give praise for it. Let the inferior creatures rejoice in God's new kingdom. This is the same meaning we have already seen in Psalm 96. Yes, let the sea roar. Don't call it, as it was in history past, a a dreadful sound. Let it be called from now on a joyful sound for the coming of Christ and the salvation he won. The coming of Christ has altered troubles and terrors. So when the floods lift up their voice, lift up their ways, we must see that as the sea roaring against man, that's not what it's doing. It is rejoicing with man at the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let the floods express their joy as men do when they clap their hands. Let the hills that trembled for fear before God when he came down at Mount Sinai dance for joy before him when his gospel is preached. That gospel, as it goes forth from Zion, goes in a small, still voice, but with good news that all should want to hear. That voice says, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. This clearly tells us that the kingdom of Christ would be a blessing, would be a blessing of unbelievable worth to the whole of creation. What does that cause to happen? It would cause the world of creation to rise up and praise their maker. Is that what we see happen? No, it's not. The sea and its waves and the mountains and the animals of the world do offer praise. They offer praise by being and doing what they were created to be and do. But we learn that as the inferior creatures declare the glory of the Creator, so they declare the glory of the Redeemer. Therefore, he looks to the sea and the floods and the animals which bring on man, which bring shame on man. We're shamed by creation because we are stupid and ingrateful to our God. This shows us the effects of the fall of mankind. When he fell, he lost his connection to his maker and died spiritually. He was dead in his trespasses and sins and was separated from God. He could not see anything good. Therefore, he could not see God. He knew absolutely nothing about God. Man was lost with no hope of rescue and no escape of judgment from his punishment. He needed divine help. Where was that help to come from? 
Look at verses 7 and 8. Let the sea roar in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. Man must take his lead from creation itself. Man was created by God with a purpose. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. There were, these were the purposes for men. That's what our lives should reflect. Just like the sea and the rest of creation was created to be a home for mankind, we have to be voices of praise for our Creator. We must live our lives as a reflection of His glory. We must stand up and show the rest of the world what God has done for us and call those not praising Him to believe and repent. Verse 9 says, For He is coming to judge the earth with righteousness. He shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. It's imperative. It's imperative that the world know their Lord is coming. We need to be out there declaring that every day. He's coming to search the hearts of all. He will search every heart. He will expose the thoughts of those hearts to the light of his word. He will know if your praise is sincere. Why is this so important? Because he comes to judge and he will judge with righteousness. He will make no mistakes. He will miss no relative facts. But will uncover everything that has happened in your life. He will judge with equity. In other words, he will judge each person according to his life. Jesus came in this this first coming to reveal to men the truth about his father and the plan of salvation. Coming David spoke of here is Christ's second coming. When he shall come judging in righteousness. He will judge each person and will assign to them their place in eternity based on the righteousness they held on to in this life. If they tried to slip by on their own righteousness, they'll be cast into the pit. Only those who trust in righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ will be saved. He speaks of his judgment in equity. What does that mean? He will judge each person according to his life. He will not be using what the world uses when it speaks of equity. Equity to the progressives of our day means fairness as judged by them. They judge on the color of one's skin or on the sexual preferences they have in life. God will judge with righteousness, which means their relationship to God. God never talks of fairness, only of righteousness. In conclusion, we must lift our voices with that of all of creation. Our God is the only God and the only one worthy of our worship and praise. What will you give, what will give you the desire to praise him is a new heart filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you get such a heart? You get it as a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That gift will open your heart to hear the word of God, and you, you, you see your sin in your need of a Savior. You will then acknowledge your sin, confess it before the Father, repent of it, and understand it is only in Jesus Christ that you can be saved. Christ and Christ alone is the Savior of the souls of men. 
seeing and understanding all of this about yourself will fill your heart with joy and gladness. That will cause you to lift your voice and praise your Lord. Stand fast. Stand fast in the praise of Jehovah your Lord and let absolutely nothing turn you away from his righteousness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're such a gracious God. You sent your only begotten son to do for your people what they could never do for themselves. The desire of our hearts today is that you will work in every heart who hears this message and shows them Jesus as their indescribable gift from you. Make them aware. Make them aware of all he did for them through his life, death, and resurrection. Help them to see and know the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. He's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Grant today that hearts be changed and lives redirected to your glory. In Christ's name, amen.